0: to be praised hallelujah jesus hallelujah jesus hallelujah hallelujah amen as great as he is in our lives amen if your uh, parents or grandparents or if they were in church he's still the same god that they serve because he doesn't change he's the same yesterday today and forever and if he was great yesterday he's going to be great today and be, he'll be great tomorrow right I'm thankful that we serve a God that changes not, amen, and I'm thankful that we can gather together as the people of God, isn't it, it's just, it's just different and unique when we come and gather together here, and just all the people of God, just a different, different atmosphere, there's a rest, there's a peace here amongst the the people of God, it's a, it's a great place to come and just uh, forget about the world and just, just focus on Jesus, right? Amen, because he is why we are here today, and it's so good to see everyone here to worship together. Amen. We want to have our ushers come. We want to remember, amen, the uh, prayer walk coming up this Saturday morning at 8 a.m., amen, downtown Centennial Park, amen. So we want to uh, uh, continue to pray for our city, pray for the needs, that uh, we be a, a witness and a light in this city, because we know that God has great things in store, right? Amen, and we want to be a part of that. Amen, let's continue to pray for the needs that we have, the needs that we know about, our friends, family members. man, those that need a touch from God. We know that God answers prayer, right? Amen, let's go before him together. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you've poured out upon our lives. Hallelujah, we have so much to be thankful for. God, we lift you up tonight, Jesus. We ask you to touch each and every need. Continue to pray for those needs, God, that we know about, Lord, our friends and family members. God, that you touch their lives. Lord, draw them close to you. Help us to be a light and example to them, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus. We call upon the name that is above every name. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's continue to give and worship tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost reign in our life. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Coming around to uh, the, the day that the reason that we are here, Easter, Jesus resurrected from the dead, amen, and so... Uh, we're looking forward to uh, Sunday service where we can rejoice in all that God has done and He's doing in our life. Without the resurrection, we, what would we have, right? Amen. And so looking forward to tomorrow is the Good Friday. Amen. And uh, this is the highlight of the Christian life. Amen. It's, you know, just as great as Christmas, if not better, right? The birth of Jesus and the death, we need them both. Amen. And so uh, it will be a great weekend. As we're staying, we go to the word of the Lord tonight, Second Peter, 3rd chapter. We start reading verse 1, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Amen. We started this series last week uh, titled The First and Last Days. Amen. We're going to continue on tonight. Shake a few hands as you're seated this evening. Man, the first and the last days, we began this talking about the last days and and how we believe and how we confess that we are in the last days. And we started to look into uh, what that really means because there are great things in store for the church in the last days, a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. And an end-time revival, the likes of which this world has yet to see. And a time of miracles, signs, and wonders. And it is going to be an exciting time to be alive in these last days. Amen? But on the other hand, the last days also speaks of unpleasant things that are taking place and will take place in the world. And it's up to us to not get caught up in the the chaos and the confusion of these last days. Uh, and so, before, to help in all of this, we are looking to the first days to see God's plan and His purpose for all of this. Because without a, a really good starting point, without a, a good... Uh, understanding of of why all this began, Uh, just focusing on the end days, the last days, it can seem uh, chaotic and and hopeless, I guess. Um, It shouldn't be for us. Uh, But what we are seeing and finding out that there are many similarities between the last days and the first days, as we started to look into, which should provide the people of God some extra hope and and faith and assurance that while it may appear that this world is derailed and it is just getting crazier and crazier by the day, and it obviously is, uh, if we can see that these things have happened before in some other kind of uh, instance, if you will, not maybe exactly, but at least some similarities, um, that have happened before, before you and I have ever showed up, before the great United States of America ever uh, placed, was placed on the map. Because if God has already dealt with chaos and similar conditions that we are seeing in these last days, if he's already handled them in earlier in history and demonstrated that he's, these are no problem for God, then we really shouldn't have anything to worry about, right, in these last days. Uh, If he's done it before, then he can do it again, right? Uh, If he's demonstrated his power and his authority over the darkness of this world and of the chaos that it ensues, then whatever shows up tomorrow, we should not fear, Uh, because it is all in God's hands he can handle it before he's done it before and he can handle it again and we know that he has the power to do it and he will do it uh it's just now the only thing that's changed now is that you and I here on the scene and now all of a sudden we think the spotlight's on us and we we go crazy when things go out of control and we don't understand why things are happening. But we have to realize that this, this stage, is, this act has been going on long before we ever showed up. Uh, and so God knows what he's doing. Uh, and so for us to go back to the first days, we can see uh, exactly a blueprint or a plan or a purpose in all of this. Uh, last week we looked into the first days and we saw the clear separation of light and darkness and how that too will be in the last days. It's, it's not hard to, to stand apart and separate from this world now. Just being a, 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 a simple Christian, apostolic Christian in these last days. And you're going to stand out. You're going to shine brighter than ever before without even trying. It's not that we're really necessarily doing anything more. It's just that the world is getting that much darker and that much more full of sin that the people of God are just, are, are naturally just going to stand out and be separate uh, by the way that we live our lives. And um, uh, so we saw lots of supernatural activity in the heavens and the earth. And uh, the book of Revelation reveals that there's going to be similar activity in the last days. As crazy as Revelation reveals... Um, It should not deter us or cause us to become faint. Uh, Why? Because God has already been there. Back in the beginning, he is the first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And so he can see the end from the beginning. And so when he was way back in the first days doing all of this... um, all of this seemingly crazy stuff happening of the world being transformed. Uh, back then, he, he saw uh, today and he saw these last days, everything that is going to transpire and what's going to happen. And so it is nothing new to our God. It is just new to us. And since it is new to us, we can get worried and we can get anxious about the headlines and about world events and about uh, uh, horrible things that happen and and laws, ungodly laws that are passed. Uh, And again, it's new to us. It's not new to God. Uh, And so imagine with me for a second that the life that you are living right now, uh, imagine that you could go back in time knowing everything that you know now uh, and being able to live your life knowing all of this stuff. I mean, hey, uh, anybody ever do that? Hey, I wish I could go back in time and uh, I would do all this differently had I known all this, this knowledge and all these things. Uh, you may get caught off doing daydreaming that at times. But uh, imagine with me, you, you can do that, but uh, you, you have to still live your same life. Everything, all the thing, everything is still the same. It's not like you can go back and become a billionaire at age nine. We all want that, but that's not that's not the way it works. At least tonight in this illustration, you have to live the same life. So you you you're living the same life, but yet you already know everything that uh, you know now. Uh, would you still be worried about that situation? Would you still be worried uh, about those things that appeared in your life? Whenever it was, uh, would you still stress out when that major problem arose? Having the foreknowledge, you know, right now, would you still be worried about it? You and I, we would walk through our life, and we wouldn't even really bat an eye, would we? Because we we already know we already know the end from the beginning, at least up until this point, and so. Um, We wouldn't be concerned about a single thing, would we, if we had all the knowledge we knew right now. And so that is how God views this world. He's already seen everything play out. Nothing catches God by surprise. The accident or the situation that, uh, that catches us by surprise, we're taken back by it, but not God. God had already saw that happen. He already knows what is going to happen in, in the end times. Uh, and so he is not worried or stressed out or, or, or anything. He, he sees it all, and he's as calm as he can be. It's us that are the ones who are chewing our fingernails off. Uh, and, and so the last days are nothing new to God. They're just new to us. And if we want to get a, a God view of the last days uh, so that we can be not worried or that we can be less worried or less, less anxious uh, about the next world event, uh, then what do we do? We just go back to the beginning and, and let's start at the beginning, what God was doing. Uh, and that will give us some comfort and strength and faith for the last days. And, and what else do we see in the beginning? We, we see uh, God forming man from the dust of the earth and placing him in this garden that is sp- specifically made by God uh, for man to dwell in. Um, Genesis 2 and 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man uh, whom he had formed and out of the ground made the Lord God, to grow every tree that is pleasant to the eyes, uh, to the sight, good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, a tree of knowledge and of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. Uh, From thence it was parted and became into four heads. Uh, So four rivers uh, ended up coming out of that. And so we don't know the exact location of the Garden of Eden uh, the Bible tells us uh, of the rivers um, and, and we know at least where one of them is today, the Euphrates, so at least we have a good starting point of where to start digging uh, the Euphrates River. Uh, but back in the first days, uh, there's really really no way to tell exactly where it was. Uh, plus its entrance was guarded. Uh, by an angel with a flaming sword. So obviously God did not want man to find it when he kicked them out. Uh, And so uh, here is a a, a guesstimation, if you put up picture number one, of of where the Garden of Eden was. Um, This is what scientists and geologists may have believed, what the ancient world looked like. They called it Pangea. And uh, now you're saying that's not the world that I know. Um, either I failed geography in school, or that's some other planet. Uh, but based on the rivers, that's where somebody put uh, the big X and said that's where the Garden of Eden may have been. Based on this uh, rendering of uh, an ancient world, if if so, studying the fault lines of the continents and the and the coastlines, uh, to them it looked like a, a jigsaw puzzle, and they put it all together, and this is what may it may have been. I don't know. But, uh, uh, but then the flood happened and the Bible says the waters came up from the deep and, and emerged out of the earth and, and potentially broke up the earth, broke this all up and spread those continents out. Uh, again, this is all speculation. We have no idea about it. Um, and so uh, picture number two, based here on our map that we know, uh, that's where uh, the Euphrates River is and many other rivers. And, and so uh, if if we are drawing it on our map today, this might be a, a, a starting point of the Garden of Eden right down there in the beautiful country of southern Iraq. Uh, now, wherever, wherever Eden was, the exact location really doesn't necessarily matter. We'll never know and that, unless you want to ask God in eternity. I guess we have all the time to figure that out. But uh, this we can probably say with certainty that where man was, where Eden was, was most likely the center of the world back then. Uh, Because it was certainly the center of God's attention. If if God is going to put man in the earth he may have started in the middle of the earth and said, hey, I'm putting man right in the middle. Uh, and so uh, that's where the whole world's focus and attention was, was the Garden of Eden, right there, uh, the center of attention. Uh, but if we skip forward to the last days, where is the focus and the attention of the whole world going to be? Right in that area. The Middle East, Israel. Uh, all the the surrounding nations, Uh, and and so actually in the new world, um, after the flood, God tells us uh, where the center of the world is, Um, uh, and Revelation, I didn't put this scripture up there, but Revelation 21, uh, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So the Bible tells us in Revelation that this new earth that God is going to make, it says there's not going to be any more sea. Uh, So we don't know if the land, there's not going to be any oceans or what. I don't know if that literally means uh, the sea that we know about. Uh, And and so maybe we're going back to uh, uh, the way things used to be. We don't know. We'll find out one day. Uh, But uh, after the flood, uh, the Lord told us, tells us where Uh, the center of the world is, at least in God's eyes. And it is not America. America is not the center of God's eyes in the world. We show up late to the game and we think the world revolves around us, and it really doesn't, Uh, at least in God's eyes it doesn't. Uh, Ezekiel 5 and 5, thus saith the, the Lord God, this is Jerusalem, I have said it in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her. So it sounds like God has placed Israel in the middle of the world, the center of the earth, the center of all the nations around her. Um, and everything revolves around Israel, it seems, because that's where God's people are and were, and at least the Jews, uh, obviously the church aids. it's a little, it's a, we're, we're going off a, a side road with the church. But uh, as far as we know, the focus and center point of this world is the nation of Israel. Uh, Zechariah 14 and 2, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, And the city shall be taken and the house rifled, the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And so here in the last days, where is the focal point? Where is the center of the world, the center of activity taking place? It's in Israel. It's in Jerusalem because God said, I will gather all nations to come to battle at Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is the center point of the whole world, at least in God's eyes. And um, uh, I think that the whole purpose, at least the one main reason that uh, Donald Trump was president was to bring the center back to Jerusalem, to bring the capital city back to Jerusalem if that's the only purpose the only reason that he became president then that's in God's eyes he was a success uh, because God, God, God needs men to do his will and, and he, uh, he allowed Donald Trump to become president and the one major thing that he did was he'd move the capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem because this has to happen This has to happen. The Bible prophesies that this will happen. Uh, And so Jerusalem has to be the recognized capital of Israel by the world if they are going to come and gather together and fight in Jerusalem. Uh, Otherwise, it would have been Tel Aviv and everything would be messed up. And so uh, if that is the one reason Donald Trump was president, then he was a success in the eyes of God, right? He did God's purpose in in bidding. Uh, So in the last days... Everyone is coming to one center point, and that is Jerusalem. And that includes America, in my opinion, uh, because if America is Israel's only ally, and that's what we claim, and we stand by Israel, when all the nations of the world come and gather together, uh, to me that has to mean America too, all nations Uh, But if America is somehow exempt from that, if all the nations come and gather together against Jerusalem, who is Israel going to cry out to help for? Hey, America, come save me. But if America has turned its back on Israel, then they are not going to be looking for us to help, will they? Who are they going to be asking for help? God. God. There's nobody else, right? All nations have come against. You have no more allies in this world. Uh, and so the only person that you are now going to be asking for help is Jesus. And, and really, if you understand, that is the whole purpose of the great tribulation is to get Israel backed into such a corner where their eyes are open now and they can see by faith and they have no one else to call on to and what do they do they car- they cry out to Jesus for help that is that is the purpose uh, i think of the great of the tribulation period and so Uh, is to get Israel to look up, to to forget about America because America is not our ally anymore. We can't trust anybody. We can't trust any other country because God is going to gather all nations against Jerusalem for the purpose of Israel saying, Jesus, help me. And that is the precise moment, I think, when the eastern sky is going to split open. And Jesus is going to come to earth and with the armies of heaven. And where is he coming? He's coming to Jerusalem. Why? Because all nations have surrounded Jerusalem. And they are crying out for help. And they cry to God. And Jesus comes and he, he, and he shows up. And what happens when his foot touches this earth? Uh, verse 3, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives, and, and shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And, and so when, Je- when Israel cries out for help, To be saved for god to save them he's gonna come and he's gonna step in uh come to this earth with the armies of heaven and he's gonna step his foot on the ground and what happens what does zachariah say is gonna happen is is there's gonna the mountain is gonna split in half by the power of almighty god uh jesus is is going to arrive to save his people uh, and he's going to slay all the nations that have come against his people in, in a split second. It's not even going to be a battle. It's not going to be this, uh, this uh, invasion that's taken forever. Uh, it's going to be over and, and done with in a matter of moments. Um, uh, and this is all at the center point of the world, Jerusalem. In, in chapter 6, in verse 16, it shall come to pass that everyone that is left... Of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King and the Lord of hosts and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Uh, And so after the battle, Jerusalem is still the center point of the world now, uh, more specifically because Jesus is now here on the earth, uh, and he says that if, if you don't come up to Jerusalem to worship the king and to participate in its, uh, in its feast of tabernacles, it's not going to be good for you. Uh, There's going to be immediate judgment come upon your home and upon your crops. There's not going to be any rain. And and so uh, here in the last days, the focal point and the center of the world is Jerusalem. And all nations and all people will be required to come to this one place in the middle of the world to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, and, And so... We, we see this in the beginning, uh, one focal point in the world where God's attention was, where his, ma- his people were, and in the last days, we see this happening as well. But what were the first days like? Um, it was obviously in the Garden of Eden, in this world, this age of innocence, the state of perfection. There's no disease, no sickness, no pain or death or sorrow. Um, Animals most likely did not devour one another. Uh, Adam's pet dog was probably a wolf, and his pet cat was probably a lion. Things have changed, haven't they? And if, if that's how it was in the first days, then shouldn't that be what we expect it to be in the last days, right? Uh, we see in Isaiah chapter 11... And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor... And reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And his righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Uh, and so we see here Jesus ruling the world and... Um, and also, uh, verse 6, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall play, put his hand on the cockatrice's den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of, of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To which shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. And so uh, it, it's kind of describing uh, like a Garden of Eden, isn't it? Where everything is perfect, there's animals are laying down together, there's no, uh, no death, no, no fighting, no, no bloodshed. Uh, all of these things that we uh, know and see about in the first days, they also are reappearing now in the last days. It's almost like this world is returning back to the Garden of Eden. That the purpose of the last days is to bring us Back to the first days, in the first days of Eden, uh, we are told also of a certain tree there, Genesis 2, 9, out of the ground, may the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 3 and 22, and the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. Now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And so in the first days we see that there was this, the tree of life. That as long as man ate of it, they would be empowered to live forever. And that is why the angel guarded the gate after Adam and Eve were kicked out. Because if they come back in and eat of that tree, then they're still going to live but also as we know that this uh, tree also appears in the last days. Uh, Revelation 22, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, in either side of the river, there was the, the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, yielded here fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Uh, Now I'm sure that we have uh, dreamed and thought of how life must have been in the Garden of Eden, well, uh, I'm here to tell you that it looks like that we are on a crash course for a life just like that, similar to what it was back in uh, the first days. And uh, soon, one of these days, everything that we know of this world is going to come to an end. We're going to be transported, and this world is going to be transformed from these last days all the way back to uh, the the first days, something uh, that r- recollects and looks like the first days. And uh, I'm glad that I'm not the one that is driving the ship because I, I have no clue all this is going to work out and, and the pieces fit together but but God knows what he's doing because it's his plan it's his purpose I'm just grateful that I have a seat on the bus that I have a place in the ark that I can escape all the judgments and the uh the the, the terror that's coming by and the judgments of the Lord but but by his grace and mercy we have a place of safety a place of refuge that we can go to uh, and that we can experience uh, the love of, of God and that one day we're gonna blink our eyes and all of this is going to be over. Aren't you, aren't you thankful? Can you not wait for that day to happen, that all of this is going to be over and we're going to be transported to a, another world and uh, it's going to be in the blink of an eye and all of a sudden it's going to be like we're going to be living in the Garden of Eden again. Musicians, if you'd come, and so we got to make sure that we are ready because we never know the day nor the hour when this is going to happen. And so why? Why why all of this? What's the end game here? What, what is the, the one thing that all of this is for? Uh, well, in the first days, what do we see? We see in Genesis 3 and 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam And his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And so what we see in the first days and in the last days really all boils down to this. That God wants to be with his creation. God wants to be with His creation. He He wants to be in fellowship with them. He He wants to walk and talk with them. And uh, we have been separated by sin for for long enough. And. If we can just go back to the beginning and, and start all over, uh, if we can go back to those good times and, and be able to walk with the presence of God like it used to be. And, and not only does our souls yearn for this, but God also yearns for that to be. And that's why we see all of these things coming to pass and, and, and falling into place. Really, we are just on our way back to the beginning where God can be with his creation. And that way, uh, we we could not make a way back. We, as much as we want to go back to that and a uh, paradise as that sounds, we desire to go there. Man could not make its way back to Eden. We cannot buy our way. We cannot build our way back there. Uh, there's no way that we could do that. And so, God had to make the way for mankind to come back to the beginning. And that way was for him to come to the earth and robe himself in flesh and and take upon his back all the sins of mankind and to take our, our punishment and uh, to die in our place so that there could be a way, there could be a legal way uh, for man to once again enter the Garden of Eden, if you will, uh, back to the paradise where the Spirit of God can come and and be in the middle of his creation and walk with his people and they he would be their God and we would be his people and we would all be in one fellowship in a, in a perfect place of paradise. And, and that is the way uh, that God made for us to go back. But we have to be obedient and we have to follow. Uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then we know the only way to get through those doors is to obey the gospel and to be born again of the water of the spirit. And that begins to pave the way, points us in the right direction uh, to go head back toward those first days. If you stand with me today, Revelation 21 and 3, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and the beginning and the end that I will give unto him that is uh, thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. And, and so those are near the end of the book of Revelation. The closing words of uh, the word of God. Uh, and so it, it doesn't matter uh, what is going on in this world. It doesn't matter what is going on today or tomorrow or next year. It doesn't matter who wins or who loses the election. It doesn't matter what laws are passed. What matters is what the Word of God says. And the Word of God tells me how the last days are going to end. And to me, it sounds like it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a glorious time where we get to be in the presence of the Lord all the days of our life and all for all of eternity where there's no more tear or pain or sorrow. Uh, we are on our way back uh, from the last days. Days, headed back towards the the first days, and that is a beautiful sight to behold. That is a, a great journey to be a hold to hold on to, but we got to be here and endure and hold on to the end, no matter what the end may look like. Uh, we know what the actual end is. And that is a great place for the people of God to worship together. Amen. And uh, we are on our, on our way there. We're on the right track. And we know that these are the last days. That means we're getting closer and closer. Amen. To so this actually happening and taking place. And uh, I want to be a part of what God is doing. And and I want to make my my seed and my home in heaven for all of eternity because there's no place that is, is described that is better than what God has planned for his people. Amen. So we don't need to allow these things of the world to to hold us back or distract us or take us away uh, from what God has in store because it sounds like to me that great times are ahead, that it's an exciting time to be living for God in these last days because we know we're about ready to see some great things happen and I want to be here for that. I want to be in the center stage. I want God to use me uh, and work through me whatever he has planned. We know it's a good thing, amen. Amen. So why as we sing tonight, why don't we give God praise and glory and magnify him and thank him for what he has done and what he's going to do. Amen. Because we are here in the last days. Amen. To worship I him. To Hallelujah, worship. Jesus.
1: We thank you, Lord, here I am for your plan. Down we down. thank you for your purpose. Here I am to say that No matter that what happens, God, my God, we know that you are in control. We are all together. Faith in our trust together.
0: good to us hallelujah Jesus thank you Lord for all that you have done your grace and mercy Lord your love that you showed us God you brought us out of that miry clay and you set us our feet upon this rock amen we're going to give you the praise and the glory we thank you for what you're going to do in these last days amen we want to be a part of it hallelujah hallelujah amen we have nothing to fear in these last days but they're going to be a great time Amen, to see the God's work, his hand at, at work in this world. Amen, it's, it's great to be alive for the people and serving the, the almighty God. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Don't forget about uh, the prayer walk Saturday morning at 8 a.m. downtown Fort Myers.